is up. It's the rant. My name is Jeff Ratcliffe, and it is Wednesday, December 30th. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I took a day off yesterday. I didn't really have much that I think we could talk about yesterday, but today I do have a big one as the title of this podcast indicates 2021 fantasy football rankings. I went through everything based on how I see it, and I'll talk a little bit about my process in a couple minutes, but uh, really trying to set the stage here because 2021 is only two days away, and best ball season's only a little over a month away, so it is time to start thinking about next year, even though we still got this year going on. Got some updates for you if you're playing in a Week 17 championship game. I don't love those, but I get it. People out there are in them, and also for DFS purposes as well. That'll be coming up here before the rankings, but after I tell you about our presenting sponsor, Monkey Knife Fight. Do you like to play daily fantasy sports? Well, you need to go check out monkeyknifefight.com. Monkeyknifefight.com is the fastest growing daily fantasy site in the world because monkeyknifefight.com is different than other daily fantasy sites. That's because on monkeyknifefight.com, there are no salary caps and you don't have to play against the Sharks. That means anyone has a chance of winning even you. MonkeyKnifeFight.com has tons of fun daily contests in all the sports you love, baseball, basketball, hockey, golf, UFC, NASCAR, WNBA, eSports, and of course, football. Monkey Knife Fight has it all, and you know what else MonkeyKnifeFight.com has? A free $5 game for you just for signing up. And if you use the promo code RANT, R-A-N-T, you'll have your first deposit matched instantly up to $50. Hey, with a name like MonkeyKnifeFight.com, you could be pretty certain you know what you're going to get when you sign up to play. Monkeys and Knives and Fights and Sports. Sign up and play today at monkeyknifefight.com. Play to MKF and win. State and age restrictions apply. Seaside for full terms and restrictions. All right, so uh, before we get into these rankings, let me tell you, (laughs) this is one of the reasons why I don't like a Week 17 championship just in general in season-long fantasy football because there's so many moving parts and for example, like you could be a really good team and your team is you know really being led by Patrick Mahomes. It's week 17 and you're not going to have Patrick Mahomes. So you're penalized because you had a really good quarterback. Your championship game could potentially come down to you getting screwed over by that. I, I don't dig that. Mahomes will not be the starter. Chad Henney will. I don't dig that at all. That's problematic. And I know, like, I had somebody earlier today say, well, Jeff, my league's never going to vote on it. We've been this way since the 80s. Now, that's a long freaking time, and I get it. But, you know, even if you're in one of those leagues like, Jeff, we've been doing this for 20 years, maybe not 40, but 20 years, I still think you could bring these things up to vote on them. And the way that I always recommend is not to frame it as a, hey, I'm Jeff and I think this should change, but rather point out instances in the past where people have gotten screwed over. Hey, Joe, remember that time you had Mahomes and uh, he didn't start in week 17 and you lost the championship even though you were the best team in the league? You would have won it in week 16 if we would have had it then? That's how you, you you get those things to potentially pass. So anyway, no Mahomes, no Big Ben, so it'll be Mason Rudolph. Uh, But there's also a lot of moving parts with running back. Dalvin Cook will not be playing due to a family issue. It does look like Alexander Madison is going to be back on the field. So he will be, you know, it's his time to shine this week. He's still technically in the concussion protocol, though. So we got to keep an eye on that. But he was practicing in a limited limited basis. Mike Davis will not be playing. 
Christian McCaffrey will not be playing. Go figure. So it'll be Rodney Smith, just like we drew it up, as the lead back in the backfield for the Panthers. No James Robinson yet again, so we'll see Daria Gumbawale again. Uh, no Keenan Allen for the Chargers uh, again, so we will see you know, Mike Williams will be out there with uh, Jalen Guyton and Tyron Johnson. No Cooper Cup for the Rams. So that is a little bit of a boost for Josh Reynolds, but no Jared Goff for the Rams. So, of course, that hurts everybody. And then no Cole Beasley for the Bills. I mean, that's just the that's the highlights right there, but that's a lot of players who are not going to be playing here uh, this week. So it is something I, you know, Daryl Henderson as well, who I've already mentioned isn't going to be playing this week. Uh, yeah. So anyway, tomorrow I'll go, go over all the games matchup wise and get you set up like we normally would. And that'll be the uh, final podcast of this week, final podcast of 2020 for us. But before we get to that, I sat down on it's really started on Monday and then I solidified it yesterday. But I put together my early 2021 fantasy football rankings uh, to anybody who says it's too early for for rankings, no, it's not. It's definitely not because best ball season is going to be here in, what, six weeks? So, no, it's not. It's definitely not. It'd be too early for 2021 rankings in, like, September, like this past September. But right now, no, we're good. Uh, now, ordinarily, here's my process, right? I sit down and I establish uh, the big picture. So... When we're looking at season-long rankings, uh, I established a big picture projection-wise for the team. What are we? What are the expectations in terms of yardage, efficiency, all of that? And then you layer the players into that based on their own personal efficiency, and then you establish numbers from there. And that gives you, you can you can run things as well, so that you uh, you're not just establishing one set but you can run the season out like I and I I will typically do it a thousand times and then I establish the averages right so from there I will take or if it's on a weekly basis I just do that for the week from there I just take those uh rankings that the projections produce and then I I put in my own two cents. So there is subjectivity to fantasy football rankings. I will move players around based on ceiling floor, based on whether I think they're higher to their or closer to their ceiling, closer to their floor, all of that. And I think a, a really great way of thinking about this, my, my buddy Sean Corner, uh, the odds maker on Twitter, of course, uh, Sean is, is a well-accomplished ranker uh, himself. But he said that he, he often viewed uh, rankings and projections kind of like flying a plane uh, like so when you're up in the air that thing's on autopilot right but the pilot's got to take off and, and land the plane and you know so that's only a small percentage of the work but it's important work <laughs> for sure uh, when you look at the overall percentage so I often say like hey 70% of my rankings are the initial projections but then I move players around from there not dramatically ever but I will move them around so there's a bit of an art form to rankings, and I really do that not based on what I think, feel, or believe, but it's based on all the research that I'm doing with these teams. You know, that's what it is. But I don't have projections right now, and I after going through each team, and this is something I'll talk about on the pod next week. After going through each team and the projected depth charts, there are some major holes on some of these depth charts, and so I can't run projections effectively when there's major holes. I'm not just going to put in a filler player or whoever the heck would might be on the depth chart, uh, so I can't really run projections. So what I did is I basically took each player and went old school. I like this guy more than this guy. 
and this guy more than this guy, and so on, straight on through every relevant player and included some rookies as well. So let's start at quarterback, and I, I do think there is going to be a consensus number one. I really think it is going to be Patrick Mahomes, but I will tell you the quarterback this year is super deep. I don't think people are going to put Josh Allen in that conversation, though there is going to be some recency bias given what Allen did in the championship round, but Mahomes all season long for the most part was really spectacular. So he comes in at one. I actually have Kyler at two, but really there's not much difference between Kyler and Josh Allen in my book. I think Kyler takes another step forward next year. He was really elite for a good chunk of the season, and I think when it's all said and done, he's basically going to finish as the number one fantasy quarterback anyway. So those guys are there, and that's my elite group. Now, over at FTNFantasy.com, these are free, too. I banged the table to make sure these things were free. You're going to see that I um, I actually broke the top, the, the uh, rankings into tiers, so my top tier is the blue-level elite players. So those are it. After that, though, get this. I have Lamar at four. I don't think he's in the elite conversation, but I still think he's going to be a stellar option. Rodgers at five, Russ at six, Dak Prescott at seven. And there's like no difference between these guys. And Dak was so stinking good before he got hurt. I I think, you know, that was a devastating injury, but I think he comes back and he's just as good. Now, I could be maybe a little bullish there, but what's crazy about this, check this out. I haven't said Deshaun Watson yet. Deshaun Watson's going to have well over 4,500 passing yards. He's got over, he'll have over 30 passing scores no matter what he does because he already hit 30. He's one of the better running quarterbacks in the league, and he very well will be a mid-round pick. Now, what I'm saying right now, what ultimately happens in August, is, isn't going to be exactly the same, of course. But you'd be surprised at this exercise that I undertake many, you know, I've done this for the last, what, six years probably uh, for offensive purposes, and they don't they they don't change that dramatically from what your initial take is. I don't think that he's going to be considered one of the elites. He could be a steal, like how Russell Wilson was this year. I have Justin Herbert at nine. Everybody loves him. How about this? I know this is bullish, but I'll explain. I have Jalen Hurts at ten. I do think the Philly moves on from Carson Wentz. Whether they tr- you know they're going to have to trade him, how they trade him, who knows? But I think it is Hurts' offense. I think with his running ability, he's right there with Kyler and Lamar as the best running back, running quarterback that is in in the NFL. But I think he throws better than Lamar. He doesn't throw as good as Kyler, but that's really appealing. And especially if the Eagles draft, they draft one of these big name wideouts in the first round because they're going to have a premium pick. <sighs> Watch out! Watch out! Tom Brady at eleven, rewriting. All rules. He's going to be 44. He has not shown any sign of decline this year. And I think he's going to be just fine next year. Now, the one downfall to him is he's not going to run the ball. But if he throws for another 45 hunch and 35 touchdown passes, he's going to be every bit a quarterback one. At 12, I have Joe Burrow. I think that he's going to be just fine next year. Uh, and especially, <laughs> they could draft a wide out in the first round as well. Uh, Jamar Chase, maybe. All right, so the remaining guys who I think should be drafted, if if we were going to draft today, here they are. 13, Ryan Tannehill. 14, Ben Roethlisberger. 15, Matt Ryan. Now, there are some questions with Matt Ryan, potentially, if Atlanta decides to draft a quarterback. Kirk Cousins at 16. This is basically like where he should always be ranked. Matthew Stafford, there are some questions whether or not they're going to move on from him. 
Daniel Jones, I do believe in the Daniel Jones we saw in the middle of the season and getting Saquon back and the team another year under that regime. I think he is going to improve enough to be one of, you know, another year of being an upside guy in the late rounds. Drew Brees, do they move on from him like mutual parting of ways? Baker Mayfield, I might be too low on him at 20. And then the last draftable guy, if it was to happen today, would be a 21. And this is in one quarterback leagues, obviously. 12-team, one quarterback leagues, roughly 20 quarterbacks will be drafted, give or take. 18 to 20, I think 21 could be because 21 is Trevor Lawrence. Just like Burrow, just like Justin Herbert, were fantasy relevant this year. I think Lawrence hits the ground running and is fantasy relevant next year. Remember, Cincinnati was awful last year, and they weren't that bad with uh, – with Burrow under center this year. A quarterback makes a huge difference. Uh, so that, you know, it, it, I don't think we quite, quite see that with Fields and Wilson, though my tune could change on those guys. I have Fields at 24, Wilson at 25. Moving over to running back, I think there are four elite options. At one, I have Christian McCaffrey. I don't think we should think any other way. It was a lost season. They had no reason to get him back on the field, and every time he was on the field this year, he was phenomenal. At two, I have Alvin Kamara. Now, his his ranking will be impacted by the quarterback position. If you're to tell me right now, you say, hey, Jeff, Jameis Winston's the starter of the New Orleans Saints, I move Kamara out of this elite group. I move him down into the regular RB1s. He's still spectacular, but it's just the passing work is going to decrease. Saquon Barkley at three, no reason to not believe in him, fluky injury, whatever. Dalvin Cook at four. That's my elite group. At five, and this is, there's very specifically put him here, Derrick Henry. Now, he could have, he could have 2,000 yards. Because his last two games against the Texans, he's gone over two hunch. Now, he's got to go way over two hunch this week, but he could freaking do it. But it's the Derek dilemma that causes me to put him at five. Now, here's the Derek dilemma, and I've talked about this a little bit, but if you if you don't remember. Derek Henry doesn't have any involvement in the passing game, basically. So that's not the dilemma. The dilemma is he could have a decent football game, right? 24, let's say 98. If he doesn't have any receptions and he doesn't score a touchdown, he scored you 9.8 fantasy points, even in a PPR, whatever scoring format you want. And that's not good enough out of an elite running back. So that's why I put him very specifically at five. Aaron Jones at six. Is he still on Green Bay? I don't know. Oh, seven's going to, I think seven's going to tilt people, but I have a very, very good reason for it. Ezekiel Elliott. Now, before you go and shut this podcast off, <laughs> hear me out here. I am not basing this ranking on Ezekiel Elliott with Ben DiNucci and Andy Dalton under center. I am basing it with him with Dak Prescott under center. And we forget very quickly, but over the first five weeks of the season, he was the number two fantasy running back. It looked like it was going to be a great year for Zeke. And then the Dak injury happened and, you know, all hell broke loose for a little bit. And now they could still make the freaking playoffs. (laughs) So there's that. So that's where I am. I don't think this is like a Tony Pollard's going to, you know, leapfrog him or anything. I, I still think Zeke's their guy, and I, I just think it's a completely different offense with Zach, uh, with Dak Prescott there. So that's where I am with that. Nick Chubb at eight, he's awesome. Jonathan Taylor at nine, yes, I think it it just everything we've seen down the stretch just continues straight into next year, and he's going to be a pretty good fantasy option. Josh Jacobs at ten, fairly self-explanatory there. James Robinson at eleven, I believe in it. Austin Eckler at 12. Now, they could address the position they've tried in each of the last two years, right? Justin Jackson, uh, Joshua Kelly. 
neither one of them quite good enough to really work into that committee. You know, it's telling when Kalen Balaj is in the committee, and they're not going to re-sign Kalen Balaj. I'd highly doubt it, at least. So do they draft somebody who could finally challenge Eckler, you know, get take some of the early down work off of his plate? If so, Eckler becomes more of an RB2, but that's where he is for right now. Miles Sanders at 13. Maybe I'm a little low on him. I, I really am intrigued by him with Jalen Hurts under center for a whole season. But I think it's fair as a front-end RB2. All right, 14, David Montgomery. I do think that it finally clicked for David Montgomery, and we will see this continue. I don't think he's matchup-proof, though, so that's why he's an RB2. But I do think this continues into next year. Cam Akers, not elite play, but better play. Let's put it that way. Cam Akers at 15. Oof, tell me I'm wrong. He is the guy now. And when you're the guy in a Sean McVay offense, that could be really good for fantasy Todd Gurley for a year and three quarters was that. Now, not exactly the same type of player, but man, Akers, tell, Akers looked phenomenal down the stretch before the ankle sprain. Antonio Gibson at 16, uh, touchdown. And I really buy him. I'm buying what the football team is doing under Ron Rivera heading forward. DeAndre Swift at 17, new regime. We'll see what happens there. Miles Gaskin at 18. What a season for this kid. He's going to be the guy for the team going forward and uh, every bit in RB2 next year. All right, so that's sort of like my rock solid. These are very likely first three-round guys. I get you 18 deep. After that, I have uh, Chris Carson at 19. Not quite sure where he's going to be next year, so if he stays in Seattle, he'll move up, or if they move on from him, Rashad Penny will move up. Clyde Edwards-Alaire at 20. Do they take the darn training wheels off of him? If they do, I'm too low on him. J.K. Dobbins at 21. I don't think Gus is going to be back next year, and I'm not so sure Mark Ingram will be either. Gus is a free agent, though. Joe Mixon at 22. One of the hardest guys for me to rank. Uh, maybe I'm too low on him. He's going to be an RB2, but I don't know if his arrow is already pointing down, unfortunately. It happens so quick in the NFL for running backs. Kareem Hunt, 23, and then Travis Etienne at 24. I purposely put him at 24 to indicate that there is going to be at least one of these Rookie running backs who's going to be an RB2 or better, depending on where they get drafted. It happens every year. Uh, he's the likely candidate, but it may not be him. You know, it, it it all depends on how things work out in the draft, but he is obviously the favorite in the clubhouse. Mel Gordon at 25, arrow pointing down a little bit. Ronald Jones, is he? do they really view him as the future? Or do they address that position in the draft? Uh, Raheem Mostert, same thing at 27, 28. What happens with Kenyon Drake next year? I don't think he's going to be in Arizona, so he could be moving down this list pretty quickly. Zach Moss, it's a committee, so he's at 29. David Johnson getting older, arrow pointing down at 30. James Conner at 31. If the Steelers re-sign him, I don't think that happens, but if they do, then I'm too long on him. Tariq Cohen at 32. Najee Harris at 33 is another one of those intriguing rookies. Latavius Murray, Damian Harris, Devin Singletary rounding out the top 36. Some interesting game, or names just on the outside looking in. Jeff Wilson, Rashad Penny, A.J. Dillon. Those guys are interesting right there. All right, moving over to wideouts. Easy at the top. It's Devontae Adams and Tyreek Hill. Duh. But at three, and when I went through it, I was like, oh, yeah, I guess he is three. Stephon Diggs. I, I mean, how can we put him any lower? He's going to have – how many catches is he going to have this season? He's etching his name in the in the record book here this season. Like it won't be the most all time, obviously, but he's gonna be potentially top five all time. It's a great spot for him, especially with Josh Allen making all that progress. DK Metcalf at four. 
he did falter down the stretch, but I don't know if it's so much him. And really, like, so last year he was good, but he was very much a rookie, right? This year he was a very improved second-year player, and he was doing some very special things on the field. His arrow's still pointing up. Like, I don't think we've seen everything that DK Metcalf could be in the NFL. So, yeah, four. Five and six. Uh, veterans who I think are still worthy of elite consideration, but not worthy of being, like, you know, the tops off the board. DeAndre Hopkins and Michael Thomas. Um, still no issue with them. High volume. And I think Michael Thomas will bounce back next year. But at seven, a name who I didn't necessarily, even a month ago, I might not have thought he would be here. But when you look at the overall body of work, Calvin Ridley certainly deserving. And, you know, it's the arrows pointing up and arrows pointing down scenario. Up for Ridley, down for Julio. And I'll talk about him in a second. Keenan Allen at eight, high volume. Just stay healthy, bro. Allen Robinson at nine could go up or down depending on what the Bears do with him. Julio Jones at 10. I might be a little too high on him, but again, when I compared with other guys, this is where I landed on him. Obviously, this season was no fun with the injuries, and it could be a sign of time, uh, things to come here because these older wideouts, man, it happens quick for some of these guys. Uh, he was great when he was on the field, though, so that's the one thing I just kept going back to. A.J. Brown, Justin Jefferson, young wideouts who are fantastic at 11 and 12. Amari Cooper at 13. This is another one where it really just comes down to Dak. Amari Cooper's awesome with Dak. Adam Thielen at 14. I'd trade him in Dynasty, but he's still going to be just fine in redraft. 15, Mike Evans. Definitely moving up my list, and it really does depend on what happens with Antonio Brown and Rob Gronkowski. Fewer mouths to feed will be much better for Mike Evans in that offense. Kenny Galladay at 16. Didn't quite know what to do with him either because he's going to be a free agent. I would assume they re-sign him, but that team is also in flux. Bob Woods at 17. Terry McLaurin at 18. Maybe, you know, might be, it feels like I'm low on him, doesn't it? But I can't put him ahead of these other guys. Anyway, Deontay Johnson at 19. I love him next year. Loved him this year. Chris Godwin at 20. He's another, again, like Evans, I could move those guys up depending on what happens uh, in terms of these free agents for Tampa. Odell Beckham Jr. at 21. And I think this is about right. You know, it, it feels fair for OBJ. Cooper Cup at 22. DJ Moore, 23. I want to see what they do at quarterback. Debo Samuel at 24. Love Debo. Uh, all right, so just outside the wide receiver twos at 25, very specifically ranking him here, Tyler Lockett. He showed us this season that he has an enormous ceiling, but he can't be trusted as anything more than a fringe wide receiver two. Brandon Cooks, maybe I'm a tad low on him, but at 26. Then Will Fuller, depends on where he lands at 27. He will be suspended for the first game of the season, too. Uh, Robbie Anderson at 28. Then Juju, where does he land at 29? That'll impact his ranking. Devontae Parker at 30. Brandon Ayuk at 31. CeeDee Lamb at 32. Some, some young wide receivers there in wide receiver three territory. And maybe I'm a little low with CeeDee with Dak coming back. Tyler Boyd at 33, but at 34, could this be Tyler Boyd's teammate? And it would certainly impact his ranking. Jamar Chase. This kid is a stud, and it would be so much fun to see Joe Burrow paired back up with him. Uh, DJ Shark at 35. It's going to help to have Trevor Lawrence under center. Jarvis at 36. Corey Davis at 37. Where is he going to land? Uh, a couple of these, uh, the, the other rookies who are close, I have Smith at 39, Waddle at 42, Moore at 45. 
So those are the most likely to make an impact, but there's going to be other guys as well that we'll be considering. I do think it's going to be interesting what the Eagles do. I had a hard time ranking Jalen Rager. I ended up with him at 48. That could end up being too low if they don't address the position early in the draft. It could end up being maybe slightly too high if they do address the position in the draft. Uh, there for Philly. Moving over to tight end, I'm waiting for that torch passing moment. And we see this at tight end because, you know, tight end, since there are so few elite options year in and year out, you typically have staying power at the position. So for a while, you know, you go back 10 years ago, it was the Graham and Gronk era. And, you know, Graham was maybe a tick ahead of Gronk for a little while, and then Gronk asserted himself, so the torch was passing, and it was like the Gronk era that folded into the Gronk and Kelsey era, and then eventually Kelsey surpassed Gronk, and it became the Kelsey era, and now over the last couple years here, two years really, it's been the Kelsey and Kittle era. Now, Kittle was injured this year, but it is still very much the Kelsey and Kittle era, so my question is, when is the torch officially passed? Travis Kelsey will turn 32 in October, so during the season. George Kittle will turn 28 in October. Their birthday's only a couple days apart, I think. Uh, But um, anyway, I think the torch has passed this year. If I was going to take one early, and you know me, I'm not going to, but if I was going to, it's George Kittle. I have Kittle at one, Kelsey at two. Now, Kelsey's still going to be fine, but Kelsey is not worth a first-round pick like somebody asked me on Twitter. He's not. I think Kittle and Kelsey are going to go where the top tight ends normally go, which is the second round. That being said, there are three elite options. Darren Waller is going to very likely become the sixth tight end in NFL history to top 100 catches this week. Now, granted, Kelsey's done it twice, but only five other tight ends. So Waller is right in the elite tier. And he will very likely go around after them. So if they go in the second, I could see Waller very much in the early third. After that, there might be a little bit of a gap to Mark Andrews. He's not in the elite conversation because, of course, as Lamar goes, so goes uh, Mark Andrews. But he's still not a bad consolation. At five, Hunter Hantry at six, and he's so good. At six, TJ Hawkinson, the breakout year was official this year. And, of course, it wasn't the absolute... Most consistent season, but it was pretty good. Uh, then Dallas Goddard at seven, that torch being passed there in Philly essentially this year between Ertz and Goddard. And Goddard's going to be the guy going forward. Logan Thomas at eight, it is official. Logan Thomas is here to stay. Noah Fant at nine, he had a breakout year as well, like his former college teammate Hawkinson. Evan Ingram at 10, not the sexiest, but he's still so athletic and so young, and the team's going to be better, I think. So he's at 10. At 11, Mike Gesicki. I think those are like, you get to that point, that's about as safe as it gets. Now, 12 is Robert Tunyon. And the reason why I have him at 12 and not any higher based on this year is he is a free agent. And I don't know if Green Bay re-signs him because they're going to have to pay him. And now if you're Green Bay and you say, hey, we have Tunyon, we could re- we could pay him, or we got this kid, Jay Sternberger, we'd give him a shot because we're still paying him as, on his rookie deal. You know, that starts to come into play. So it depends on where Tunyon is. I could end up moving him up after free agency. We'll see. And, of course, we'll do a big rankings update right after you know the, the main t- first two waves of free agency are done, which is usually like a week after free agency kicks off. Uh, Eric Ebron at 13, Austin Hooper, Hooper at 14, uh, Jonu Smith at 15. He's another guy at free agency. Gronk, does he come back at 16? Hayden Hurst, you know, we kind of know where we are with him. Zach Ertz, is he still in Philly or are they going to figure out a way to unload him? 
uh, Tyler Higby at 19, and he could move up if Gerald Everett moves on from the Rams or vice versa, the Rams move on from Gerald Everett because he's going to be a free agent. O.J. Howard at 20, remember him? He could be moving up, especially if Gronk is gone. And then Big Irv at 21. Other than that, you know, I've like I think those guys could all end up being draftable with some moving parts there. But you know, some deeper names who I'd be te- keeping an eye on: Blake Jarwin, who will be back next year; Cole Komet, Jordan Aikens, Adam Troutman, Dan Arnold. They're all interesting. Even C.J. Uzama, uh, but they're deeper names on the list. So there you go. Twenty twenty one already set up. So tomorrow I'm going to come back. I'm going to break down the matchups. Next week we will talk about. NFL playoff leagues. So we're going to do that. You know, we're going to hit the ground running. So I'll have playoff league talk. Like if you've never done a postseason fantasy football league, I'll give you all the options. Uh, People keep asking me where to play. I'll tell you about that. Of course, we'll have rankings. We'll have draft strategy for you. All that stuff next week. And an NFL mock draft 1.0 is coming from yours truly as well. I'm excited to do that. I'll do a one round mock of how I see things unfolding based on the current or based on the draft order with no trades. I'm not going to do anything crazy like that. But hey, J- January starts mock draft season, so yours truly's getting in the mix this year. Cuz I can. Cuz I can. All right, uh, keep reviewing the show on on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever you want to call it. Really appreciate all those reviews. If you have an iPhone, the easiest way to do so is to open up the podcast app, go to my podcast The Rant with Jeff Ratcliffe, click the stars and you're done. You can also do so on the web. Head on over to ftnfantasy.com if you are curious to see these rankings. I laid them all out there for you. Pretty easy to see how the tiers break down. And let me know what you agree and disagree with on social media, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Twitter, at Jeff Ratcliffe on Instagram. Use that hashtag Rat Pack. That way I know you're a listener of the show, and I will be back tomorrow on the flip side for another edition of the pod. I'm Jeff Ratcliffe, and I'm out of here.